Hello, everyone. Welcome into Living Liberty Today. I'm your host, Charlie Earle. This is episode 96, Digitalis. Now, Digitalis has a number of different meanings depending on how you look at it. Number one, it's a flower. But number two, it's a drug for stimulating the heart muscle. And um, well, literally, in Latin, it means finger hat. So let's put all this together as we'd like to do here on Living Liberty Today. First of all, the drug, Digitalis, should be available over the counter if the FDA had its crap together. Because given what we're going through economically, socially, and culturally, and politically, we probably all need a drug that stimulates our heart muscles. And finger hat. Well, that means if you want to give the finger to the ass hats, you probably would want digitalis. Moving right along after that profound beginning, one of the articles that I I really found fascinating but not surprising was from Doug Casey's International Man on Thursday. And... uh the subject was how powerful people will use climate change to bring about a cashless society. And I'm going to quote here from his first page of that of that article. He said, did you know the Federal Reserve just made an important announcement about creating a fully digital U.S. dollar? It comes just after the president of Alibaba, the enormous Chinese multinational company, revealed the individual carbon footprint tracker at the World Economic Forum in Davos. You know, that lovely gathering of the elites that we get excited about. Continuing to quote, it will track where people are traveling, how they're traveling, what they are eating, and how they consume. The individual carbon footprint tracker will undoubtedly be integrated with the digital dollar and other digital currencies. It's all part of a secret plan long in the works that is now imminent. Quoting more from Doug Casey, some of the most influential people in the world will soon try to bring about a cashless society and all the horrible things that go along with it. Here's the bottom line, he says. We are at a critical juncture, and what's coming next could change everything. Now, end quote from Doug Casey. I had a little personal aside in there in in the middle. But uh, that sounds exactly like any typical conspiracy theory you're going to find from Alex Jones or whomever or wherever or whatever. But on the other hand, the scariest part about living in the last decade or so is that most conspiracy theories have turned out to be at least with a strong element of truth in them. And the digital currency aspect of it certainly is trending that way. We know that. We all sense that. We see it. Um, With the advent of cryptocurrencies, I knew without a doubt that government would try to be getting into into that game, into that field. And obviously, when they're given the opportunity, or when they, I'm sorry, seize the opportunity to create a digital currency and thus messing up everybody who has a mattress or a coffee can or any way of stashing hard, cold cash, um, they're going to do it. 
They got to find a way to devalue things at one time and protect their elite, uh, elite people at the same time. Those with mega bucks and so forth, and they can't avoid the opportunity to create some form of tracking mechanism to go with it, just because that's the way they are. The NSA, the Department of Defense, or DIA, Defense Intelligence Agency, the CIA. The FBI, oh, for God's sakes, Facebook, Twitter, they all want to know where you are, what you're doing, how you're doing it, and it won't be long before they figure out why you're doing it. And so it just seems to me we're getting closer and closer to the brave new world or 1984, however you want to categorize it, and it is going to be a dynamic change. The problem with a total digital currency is that almost, well, at this point, until the hackers get a hold of it and find a way to deal with it, totally undercuts the black market. So what that means is, in essence, if you want to create a black market, if you want to sidestep uh, the government's surveillance and involvement and control, you're almost going to have to do it through the barter system. And in order to do that through the barter system, you can't be the typical suburban or urban individual because you've got to have the means of production to create something that someone else will want. And so uh, I, I would argue that if you have a uh, any part of an area or a plot or whatever where you can grow something, for goodness sakes, do it. So... Uh, Anyway, that, that sounds a little dire. It sounds, again, kind of conspiracy. Um, nevertheless, if there weren't for conspiracies, there'd be no need for conspiracy theories. Luke Lango had a column on Friday uh, in the Investor Place, and he said, high-tech growth insiders are on a massive buying spree. And he puts a chart in there. And I'm not going to read the chart to you, for goodness sakes, but you may want to look at it. Uh, why are the why are the high tech people buying their own stock and buying it back? There are a couple of reasons one can look at. Neither one, which gives you a perfect picture of what's coming down the road, but maybe if you add other details and info to them, they might have. Number one, with the the least recent slaughter on tech stocks in the market. Maybe they're buying to rebolster, reestablish, put a new foundation, a new base, create enthusiasm for their stocks. Or maybe they have a real clue that things are going to turn around, at least in their sectors and their companies, and they might be signaling buying opportunities. I would argue that of all the people doing that, all the different companies and so forth, you find both reasons in there. The good investor is looking for nuggets to buy, places to go, is going to take that one inch deeper or dig down a little deeper and find out which ones are going to be in better position going forward and which others are just trying to protect the stock price in the current environment. So there's a clue of some areas you may want to be looking at going forward. I, I always get excited when I detect or see insider trading, because that tells me something is happening that I should be paying attention to, and it's worth looking at. The Bleeding Edge by uh, Jeff Brown 
discusses the satellite internet and what impact it may have on 5G. Now, um, he did note a couple of things. Number one, the satellite internet is being targeted at least by Musk for rural areas and global areas where they have very little access to any wireless at all. And it's an attempt to offer up a, a leveling of the field, so to speak, on a global sense. Whereas Amazon's trying to poke in and grab into the field with their own satellites, uh, packages and so forth, which may be more urbanly or more of an urban footprint and so forth. Nevertheless, if you think of the problems you might have with a satellite TV right now versus hardwired TV, uh, it may not be all that reliable. Plus, right now, the satellite units, um, or at least the way they're currently constructed, can't offer the, the speed that the hardwired ones do and so forth. So basically what you're looking at is the satellite internets and so forth may give you a viable alternative if speed is not an issue for you uh, or capacity. Uh, On the other hand, if you're looking to maintain the hardcore, high-speed, high-volume business, ones you have today or what we're used to, you may want to stay with the hardwired ones for the moment at least, uh, in the in the near future. Breitbart Business Digest from Friday. Their top stories are that the post-pandemic recovery started to show some signs of happening in the May jobs report. Uh, businesses added 333,000 jobs in May, uh, Counting government hire government, of course, hired another fifty-seven thousand, which makes it three hundred ninety thousand total, and that exceeded the expectations uh, by quite a bit. The unemployment rate, as measured by government, <laughs> is still holding at three point six percent, but manufacturing hiring slowed by more than expected. They had hoped for sixty-one thousand. Actually, only 18,000, so they missed that by a huge factor of more than three. And also, we find now, if you're trying to mix the data of what they report and what's actually happening out there, retailers cut jobs by 61,000. General merchandise stores like uh, Walmart, Target, and Costco all took payrolls down, about 1.2%. What does that mean? Well, if you if you sit back and look at it analytically, what it means is right now, just as we're starting to merge out of the pandemic, other critical factors are starting to hit the fan, like supply chain issues, like our issues with inflation and so forth and the impact it has on buying patterns and buying capability, purchasing power, if you will. So that means that this maybe this little bump up, this slight little bump, this molehill that we had in unemployment and so forth seems promising, but on the other hand, the long term doesn't look that good as we'll probably be uh, not adding that many jobs going forward uh, because of the fact that companies feel constrained and limited in what they can do and what they dare do to keep a solid bottom line. Uh, The Pew Research Center from Saturday 
uh, had some interesting stuff in there about teens navigating the COVID issue. Um, surprisingly, <laughs> not so really. Um, it was a, a difficult time for many of them. Uh, they all, all I should say many, felt they were out of sorts and all that, missed their friends. Uh, particularly young Hispanic men and women felt at more at risk than the others because they didn't want to fall behind in school and were fearful and fretful about that. Um, so it's a, it's a sort of a mixed bag, but nevertheless, we know that we've got mental health and behavioral issues going forward. Uh, on the other hand, you want good news about the lockdowns? I'll give you some. 45% of U.S. teens say they feel closer to their parents or guardians than they did before the coronavirus outbreak. But we don't know how the other 55% feel. But nevertheless, any news is good news, I guess. Uh, going along with what we were talking about just a minute or so ago, Luke Lango's hypergrowth investing from Saturday talked about the strong jobs market could soon collapse. Uh, and that sort of goes through what we discussed earlier, except he said uh, potential recession these days. Everyone's talking about that. You'd think a big market rally uh, would maybe eliminate a potential recession. No, it didn't. The stocks crashed after the jobs report was released. Why? Because we're in a good news is bad news stage of the market cycle. Why is that? Why does good news make the market go down and bad news make it go up? Because businesses, investors, corporations are fearful, and investors, I should say, market investors, are fearful of the Feds taking the good news and seeing it as a sign that they should increase rates, which again will create another break and and slow the market down. So it's it's an anticipation. You go first, I go first, we go first, you go first. Anyway, and we got a final prediction from uh, Quoth the Raven, Fringe Finance on Saturday. He thinks gold's going to jump $500 in the recent future because Russia and now China's considering going on the gold market for their currencies, for the wands. So think about that. Look it over. Check it out if you can. Well, that's the Living Liberty for today. Digitalis, get some if you can. Live free, stay free, and be free. I'm Charlie Earle.